0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon and this is one on one.
1: You know, I worked at WIP for a little bit. I worked at NFL Films. I worked at Channel Six. Now these were all part-time jobs, but I did try that avenue first. I made demo tapes. I shipped them out all over the place. Actually almost moved to Fargo, North Dakota, and then I would say like a year, year and a half, two years after that, then I realized like I got to get back into basketball. And our guest
0: this week is the new head basketball coach at Division II Jefferson University. He was a longtime assistant on Hall of Famer Herb McGee's staff, and now it's his program, Jimmy Riley. Jimmy, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me,
1: Matt. Really appreciate it.
0: So you have been in the in the job, the head job now, for uh, about a month or so, I guess, officially. Now, you were doing a ton of work as the top assistant associate head coach you know, for years. But has the la- does it feel any different at this point, or is it just a lot of the same thing until you really start to get into the grind of workouts and stuff like that?
1: Yes, yeah, so as of right now, it's pretty much the same thing that I've been doing for X number of years here at Jefferson. I think once the kids get back on campus and we start our preseason workouts in September, uh, that's when I think it'll really hit me um, that things have changed. Um, but up until this point, it's pretty much the same. So let's talk a little bit about
0: your story in hoops. What's your earliest memory playing basketball?
1: I guess that goes back to my days in Southwest Philly where I grew up, um, just playing on the playground at Finnegan's Playground, 68th and Dix, playing with my cousins, my friends, just always down Finnegan's. Anytime we got a chance to play, we played. You know, rain, sun, snow, whatever. Um, We were always down that playground playing basketball.
0: Was basketball always your first love when it came to sports? I know you played baseball, too, right?
1: Yeah. uh, Believe it or not, no. Baseball was probably my first love. Uh, My dad was a real big baseball fan. Uh, Got started in baseball earlier than basketball, for sure. So baseball was definitely my first sport. Um, But my older cousin, who was my idol, uh, David Riley. Was a basketball player, and once I watched him play at a young age, then basketball became my top sport. Still played baseball, um, but by far basketball was my favorite.
0: When did you realize you were pretty good at basketball, and like you were going to be able to maybe take it further than most?
1: I mean, I was down the playground. I always knew I was a little bit better than my friends, but at the same time, I knew if I if I wanted to be as good as I thought I could be, be way better than my friends. But I guess. My eighth grade year at St. Barnabas, uh, it was always the big thing is uh, the top players in each region would get picked to go to play at the Spectrum at that time. And I was one of those players that was picked. So then I guess, okay, maybe I am a, a pretty good player. What was that like playing at the Spectrum at that age? Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, when I got in, obviously you were nervous, but just the fact that you were picked and uh, we had a few practices up to that point. So then you really got around like, the best eighth graders in the Philadelphia area. And you realize like, all right, these guys, these guys are really, really good. So if I want to get good, I better start practicing a lot more.
0: And West Catholic for high school, right?
1: Yeah, there was no doubt about that one. Um, Coming out of St. Barnabas, I was getting recruited by Episcopal Academy um, and they got it down to where my parents could afford it. Uh, Episcopal wanted me to repeat eighth grade and and play football, basketball and baseball. Um, But no way. Southwest Philly kid without a doubt was going to West Catholic. I always dreamed of going to West Catholic and that's where I wanted to be. And you were a point guard? Yes. How did you develop
0: as a point guard just because as a kid, most kids want to score, most kids want to shoot, but obviously point guard is facilitator seeing the floor, putting others before you. Did that just feel natural to you? Yeah, or? that was
1: never a problem for me, uh, trying to score. I always wanted to be a I was always a pass first point guard. I always wanted to get my teammates involved. That was um uh, I was always worried about, you know, as you said, most kids worry about points. I was always worried about assists and keeping my turnovers down. Um, That was the only thing I cared about. Obviously, winning the game first. um, But assists were more important to me than points. Do you think that helped you stand out?
0: I mean, obviously, you've got to be a good player. But the fact that you did that, which I think a lot of kids that age, you know, aren't.
1: I I think it made me want to be like a lot of uh, guys wanted me on their team because they knew (laughs) they were going to get the ball. That was for sure. I don't know if it. Maybe stand out, but it made me well like with my teammates.
0: So you're playing West Catholic, and were you playing baseball as well, or just the basketball? Yes. You were playing baseball. Uh, freshman year, I played football,
1: decided, like, obviously at five, nine, 145 pounds, that wasn't going to take me any further. So stopped playing football after my freshman year, uh, concentrated on basketball and baseball, uh, made a decision. They wanted me to play fall ball for baseball down in South Philly, and I decided if I did that, then it would really take me away from focusing on basketball, especially in the preseason, working out after school, in the gym and everything. So I stopped playing baseball in the fall, concentrated on basketball, and, but I did continue to play baseball once basketball season was over.
0: So what are some of your favorite memories from your time at West Catholic, playing hoops?
1: I mean, the one memory is not my favorite, but honestly, I still think about it every day. It was the semifinals of the Catholic League playoffs and um, Raphael Biggs, um, who eventually went on the play of Villanova, hit probably like a turnaround 12-footer with like 1.2 seconds on the clock. Uh, we lost. My senior year was done. My West Catholic career was over. We lost by one point and that was it. So obviously that's not a great memory, but that's something I think about every day and it still bothers me to this day. I just, I just cannot get over it. And
0: I mean that's a that's quite a way for a high school career to end. Like, how long you say it still bothers you? How long did it take you to process that? Like, that's it. There's no celebr. Like, that's just that's that's it.
1: <laughs> I swear I'm still not over so it. I don't know. I just know I remember sitting in that locker room and I did not want to take my uniform off. um And I just sat in there forever. <laughs> it was emotional. Eventually. My head coach, uh, Bill Ludlow, who, who I think really was the main reason I got into coaching, I wanted to be like the way he treated us. I always want to treat our players the same way. Um, and he just told me, like, Jim, we got we to gotta, we gotta, get out of the locker room. You got to take a uniform home. So, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's still crushing. It really is. You went on
0: to play college, uh, eventually, or Sinus, but first Manor College, am I correct?
1: Yeah, so I went to Manor College first, like a lot of young kids – didn't really do what I needed to do in the classroom. So I try to teach our guys that, that if you don't do what you need to do, I had to go to junior college first. And I love my time at Manor. Um, They did have dorms, so I was able to live up there. So it was like going to college and had a pretty good two-year career there. Um, When I left, I was uh, the all-time assist leader and steals leader. I have no idea if I still am, but I played for uh, Rich Casey up there and I uh, love playing for coach and it was a great two years. And then I went on to her sinus and, you know, at the time, to be honest with you, probably wasn't the best pick for me coming from Southwest Philly to go to a, a different type of environment like her sinus, but uh, it made me a better person. It made me be around, you know, different people that I'm used to. So all in all, it was, a, it was a good experience for me. And it, it was a great school. And it
0: is a, a very tough academic school and you talk about you know early on maybe not doing what all you should be doing in the classroom did something click during your years at manor to yeah and you yeah, just yeah, kind I, of I, figured I, it out i mean
1: i was embarrassed um that i didn't do what i needed to do at west catholic so once i got to Manor, i, I did really pick it up in the classroom which allowed me to go to a really good academic school in her sinus and i did well at sinus as well really focused more on the academic side of stuff and i ended up doing uh, uh really well at, uh with my gpa at her sinus as well
0: well, How did your game evolve from West Catholic to Manor to Ursinus? Did your strengths just get stronger? Did you feel your game develop in different directions uh, through your college years?
1: I, I mean, I guess I scored a little more once I got to college, but my main focus still was uh, getting the ball to my teammates and play, you know keeping the turnovers down and just playing tough defense and basically doing anything that the coaches wanted me to do, leader on the floor, leader off the floor. Um, so nothing really changed. Um Maybe if I said anything, maybe my jump shot got a little better, but uh, not much. So maybe a little more scoring. But for the most part, it was pretty much the same game I had at West Capitol.
0: How would you scout yourself as a player? Like if you were, if Jimmy Riley, the coach, was scouting Jimmy Riley, the point guard, what would you put down?
1: Uh, I would probably say take a step off him because he's not looking to shoot. Uh, go under the ball screens to start. If he starts hitting shots, that will adjust. But let's let's try to get him to shoot the ball first because he's got, and, and don't overhelp when he penetrates because he's going to. To kick them
0: off <laughs> once your days at her sinus are done, and you talked about the idea of coaching. Were you for sure that's the direction you no, wanted to
1: try? I kind of knew, but it's not the direction I went at first. I went to broadcasting school, um, after sinus, uh, tried to get in.
0: That's a dead end, so, I can tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I worked at WIP for a little bit, I worked at NFL Films, I worked at Channel Six. Now, these were all part-time jobs, but I did try that avenue first. I made demo tapes. I shipped them out all over the place, actually almost moved to Fargo, North Dakota, um, but decided against that. And then I would say like a year, year and a half, two years after that, then I realized like I got to get back into basketball. Um, called Rich Casey. Well, at first, I I, I was helping Coach Love, though, out at West Catholic, Um Then I called Rich Casey. He hooked me up with one of his former assistants at Newman University, and then I became an assistant at Newman University.
0: So I'm curious, with all the media experience there, any favorite memories, favorite stories from your time doing that?
1: Yeah, WIP, it was always interesting working with Howard Howard Eskin. Um, I got to know Howard, and he was a good guy. Uh, Mike Missanelli, I worked for um, back in the day when it was uh, Jody Mack and Glenn Macnow. I worked for them. Were you doing the board, running the producing? Yeah, I was producing, running the board. And then overnights with Big Daddy Graham were the best. Uh, Big Daddy also grew up in Southwest Philly. Um, he actually, him and my mom actually went to the freshman dance together at West Catholic. So I knew Big Daddy before that. And it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun doing the overnights with Big Daddy. A lot of laughs. So what was it? Was it the bug of you
0: wanted to get back to basketball or after a couple of years, you just thought this isn't, I don't know that I want to do the crazy hours and all that kind of stuff. Not that what, well, not that coaching is nine to five. Yeah, it, was, it definitely lunch. wasn't
1: the crazy hours. That had nothing to do with it. it just, I, I just, I really missed basketball. and knew that's what I wanted to do and um, was lucky enough that Coach Casey uh, reached out for me to Newman University and I was able to become an assistant there. So what's that like? Did you did you know
0: what you didn't know at first when you started coaching, or was it uh, was it eye opening, or did you feel pretty comfortable?
1: A little of both. You know, you always go in thinking, you know, you know a lot, but then you realize uh, you don't, and then you just gotta you sit and you gotta take everything in. You know, wait your turn to talk. Really, be a good listener. Observe everything. Take notes. And then as you go on, like anything, you become more comfortable and you start opening your mouth more, you gain relationships with the players. So you feel more comfortable talking to them. But it was definitely an eye opener for sure. uh, But something that I loved right away. and I knew it was something I wanted to do full time.
0: How did the recruiting come to you? Pretty natural or was that hard work to kind of figure out the rhythm there?
1: You know what, I, I, whenever a young coach comes to me and asks for advice as far as uh, anything to do with basketball, I always tell them, I know like you want to get Division One. everybody wants to get Division I, I totally get that, but for me, what I thought helped me a ton was starting out at the Division Three level, um, and as far as recruiting, and the reason I say that is because at the Division Three level, you got to recruit like 75 kids to get like five, so I just just by constantly doing something, you get better at it. So I was on the phone all the time. I was able to develop my phone skills. I was out and about recruiting every night, so I was able actually, you know, to meet people, meet the right AU coaches, the right high school coaches. Um, where I think it like, you know, you start off at the Division One level, you're not recruiting that many kids to get, you know, an X amount of kids. So I, I thought starting out at the Division Three level and helping me learn how to recruit was huge for me. Something that I would never want to take back, and I, I think it's been a huge asset to me as as my career progressed
0: what were some other things those first couple years at newman that about coaching in general that you you kind of learned that maybe you didn't appreciate or understand during your playing days
1: just the hours the coaches put in you know you just think they you know practice is whatever you know four to six p.m they get there at three o'clock and then they go home like after practice and then you realize that's not the case you get there you know two hours, an hour before practice, and then you're not getting home to like 9, 10, You're not leaving the office sometimes at like 10, 11 o'clock. Um, so I definitely appreciated that side of things. Um, you just don't – as a player, you just take that for granted. You just think the coach shows up and leaves. You don't realize how much time they're putting in. So a couple of years
0: at Newman and then the opportunity, I guess it was Philadelphia University uh, at that yes. point. Yeah, um, Philly. You- doing some research, it seemed like it was a pretty informal uh, – Job interview application process with uh, Coach
1: Herb McGee? Yeah, I guess you've seen the article from Mark. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Mark Narducci
0: wrote a great article.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a good article. And yes, um, at the time at Newman, I worked for uh, Corey Stitzel, who was Coach McGee's former assistant. And Corey was gracious enough to reach out to Coach McGee. Um, He heard he was looking for somebody and told him about me. And then you, uh, from the audit, you heard what Coach McGee said. He said, What's his name? His name's Jimmy Riley. He goes, Great. He's Irish. Where is he from? He said, Southwest Philly. He said, Great. Uh, what college or sinus? He said, Okay. Where'd he go to high school? He said, West Catholic. He said, West Catholic guy? Oh, he's hired. So that was that. Uh, we met at the Great American Pub in Wayne. We sat down. We talked um, from everything from basketball to life. And it just honestly seemed like we'd known each other forever. Um, and from there on, you know, we, man, we, I, You know, I still talk to coach a couple times a day every day, and then when we were with with each other, we would talk to each other at least like five six times day, five six times a day on the phone, and uh, you know we've been inseparable ever since, and it's it's been a lot of fun for the last fifteen years.
0: And Herb McGee, of course, famously went to West Catholic as well. That the connection. Um, did you realize the enormity of
1: his career at that point? Oh yes. Yeah, so uh, I always tell coach the first time I re- ever remember seeing or meeting coach, I was in fourth or fifth grade of Villanova basketball camp, uh, Coach Massimino's camps at the time. I'm a big Villanova fan, so I, I love going to those camps. Uh, lucky enough for my parents to pay for me to go there. And then Coach McGee was one of the guest speakers at the time. And at that point, I mean, I knew the, the reputation of being a great shooter, but until you see it, you have no, you have no idea. And the way coach as you know, Matt, the way coach can publicly speak and a touch of humor and cockiness all in the one. And it's just like, he's just shooting shot after shot. And he's like, this is just easy to me. I, I don't understand it, how you can't make jump shots. It's just, it's just so easy. So then he goes back to half court and he's like, this is what I'm going to do five in a row off a of bounce, nothing but that. And as a little kid, you're like, yeah, right. There's no way. <laughs> even as an older, even as an adult, you're like, no way. But Five in a row, off the bounce, right in that, nothing but that. And I was just like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. So that that was my introdu- introduction to coach, that fourth or fifth grade of on over a basketball game.
0: So when you joined him on staff, was it apparent why this guy's a Hall of Famer, like right away from a coaching standpoint?
1: Yeah, I mean, just the way he carries himself. Um, he's so self-confident. Um, he's so self-assured, never 2nd guesses himself, always prepared. Um, you know, anything, anybody threw at him, he was always ready for, always had a counter. Um, so yeah, it, it was right away. I knew I was in for a treat and I knew I was lucky enough to be able to come to practice every day and to learn from him.
0: So when you first come on staff, what are your responsibilities? What are you focusing on?
1: That was interesting. So when I first got on there, uh, Ray Farrell was the top assistant and then Ray got a job at an NAIA school in Missouri. So right away I became the top assistant. So it was like I was thrown right into the fire. So I was in charge of recruiting, scouting, uh, you know, breaking down film, uh, you know, just basically the stuff that I was doing 15 years later from year one, year one to 15. That's what I was in charge of um, doing the preseason uh, conditioning, postseason conditioning, all that stuff uh, right away. I was responsible for
0: overwhelming or were you, did you were you able to oh, hit yeah, the ground because, running?
1: because because at that time I, I was. I was full-time somewhere else. I was working in the marketing department for Kimberly Clark. So I would sneak, like Kimberly Clark, I would just, I would sneak out. Like, they didn't even know I was leaving. I would just sneak out of work at like 2.30. And I'm sure they were looking for me. And some days they were and I was like, oh, you know, something came up, whatever. But I would would leave Kimberly Clark at 2.30. So we would have practice at 4.30. I wanted to get there at least an hour early so Coach Guy can go over what we were doing. But I just wanted to be over, you know, on top of everything. So I would stay really late, as late as I had to come in, you know, spend all my time on weekends. Um, My vacation time was all taken for basketball stuff. Like, if if I had two weeks vacation with Kimberly-Clark, those two weeks were used for me to recruit during the summertime. So um, I was trying to make it as full-time as possible as I could, having another full-time job. How long did it take
0: you to find your pace? A couple seasons to really get
1: the Probably like, and just get to know exactly what coach wanted, especially as far as from a recruiting standpoint of what type of player he was looking for. I would say at least two good seasons. And, and then after that, I think we were pretty much on the same page after, the, after after year two. So how
0: are you growing as a coach here? You know, learning with, with Herb McGee. You've got a few years under your belt now, you know, two, three, four years in. How are you growing? Are you seeing the game differently?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean... And I think that comes from uh, being around Coach McGee. Um, Also, as you know, Coach Charlie's here, who's a a great coach in his own right. So just seeing his practices or picking his brain, and just I, I'm just constantly watching game film. That's that's all I do. Uh, If I go home, my wife's always just like, "What are you doing? Why why you?" And I'm like, "Joe, I'm watching game film." (laughs) Um, So and I and I just think from just always always watching stuff, your your mind and brain just pick up stuff. You know, because just like anything, the more you do it, the more you see. And I, I think that has been a huge help for me just constantly, constantly watching film, whether it's our team or someone else's team, and just picking up the different things that other teams you, uh, do that are successful.
0: How much does that point guard mentality, that pass first, see the floor, does that help? That you've already kind of, in a way, seen the game differently than a lot of, of guys? Does it translate well? to when you're doing what you're doing, when you're breaking down film and stuff like that?
1: Yes, uh, it is amazing how every coach is different. And what you just said, you're going back to your strength. So my strength was taking care of the basketball and seeing the floor. So when you turn the ball over, it's a, it's a huge, huge deal to me. Now, Coach McGee, he was such a great shooter. When guys miss shots, he doesn't, he doesn't understand it. So that's like, come on, just make a shot. It's easy. <laughs> you go back to your strength. Like I said, my strength was taking care of the ball. So when our kids turn it over, it's a big deal. So yeah, so that does help me just by uh, watching tape and and seeing where everybody should be on the floor, uh, revolving around spacing. That that has definitely been a a huge help for me.
0: We need to take a break on -on one-on-one. We will have more with Thomas Jefferson University head men's basketball coach, Jimmy Riley, right after this. And we are back continuing our conversation on -on one-on-one with new Thomas Jefferson head men's basketball coach, Jimmy Riley. You spent, I think, 15 years as the top assistant, correct? Yeah. Yes. And you're around for, you know, Coach McGee passes Bobby Knight to become the all-time winningest coach at the time his 1,000th win, like all these games that had a not just division 1 but division 1 duke north carolina type feel to them oh, like yeah. with the crowds and stuff like that what was that like kind of that being in that atmosphere being in those huddles in, in those situations and, and kind of being like you know right there when history's being made
1: it's just a proud moment uh, so proud for coach to be able to do what he's done for as long as he's done which will never be accomplished by anybody else to do that at one school um, but just really really proud um, for how much love I have for Coach and his family. Uh, that, that would be the first thing that, that comes to mind. It's just amazing that so many people continue to come back to see those comp- accomplishments for Coach. I mean, like, and, and Matt, you know, you're there, you do our games, and the gym is just packed. Like you said, you feel the energy. Um, it's so much fun for our players to play in that atmosphere. Um, so Coach always worried about them getting a little too tight, a little too nervous. Um, but for the most part, our guys have always handled that. I think we only lost one time, and it was at the buzzer, if you remember, against Wilmington. Um, but besides that, we've won every time we had uh, a big uh, milestone to hit. We we came out with the W. So, um, but it's just a proud moment for the McGee family and for Jefferson University. It was just I'm just so thankful to be a part of it.
0: You were so instrumental in recruiting as the top assistant, and one of the things is the way. You were able to reload the roster, you know, every couple of years. Whether it be transfers, whether it be finding the right kids that you were able to plug in, you know, that would end up being four year kids. Um, how long, from a recruiting standpoint, does it take before you really have a good grasp of who's going to flourish in Herb McGee's system? Who's going to flourish at Philly U, Jefferson U, and w- what it's going to take to have a high-level player in the CACC?
1: So sometimes it, it can honestly matter. It could be like I go see a kid, and within two minutes I know. You just see him run up and down the floor. He does a couple things like, oh, this is a no-brainer. And then like anything else, it could be a couple times. and then, But you never really know until they get here. Um, we've had – you know, obviously in 15 years, a lot of players come through the program, and then you think one kid's going to be like a no-brainer first-team all-conference player, going to score X amount of 1,500 some points. And then he gets here, and you realize something's just not right. And then there might be this other recruiter you're going to think to a highly of, and then he comes in, and, and he's the one who shocks you and scores the 1,500 points and becomes the first-team all-conference. So I, I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it. Uh, but I my thing is, Matt – the harder you work, the luckier you get. So I, I just try to go to every single recruiting event, um, any open gym, anywhere I can be to go see somebody. Um, I go, and then I think the harder we work, the luckier – not I wouldn't say it's luck, but the better off our program is going to be. What's the hardest and position
0: that, at the Division two level to recruit? Is it Biggs?
1: Yeah, Biggs. But for me, I, I always go back to the point guard because, I again, I, I just have such – a high standard for that position uh, that I'm so picky. Um, I know the other assistant coaches on our staff probably get very frustrated with me about it, Um, but I'm just so picky about that position. It takes a long time for me to find someone uh, that I think would be really good at that position. But obviously at the division two level, like you said, bigs are just so hard to come by. Um, We've been lucky enough throughout the years where we've replaced the bigs with like a D one transfer. So that's been good. And then our big now, we were lucky. Antonin um, Kemking came over from France, spent one year in, in the states down at a prep school in Florida. Um, but yeah, bigs, bigs are definitely a hard part. But for me personally, it's the point guard position.
0: So, fifteen years as on Herb McGee's staff, uh, we talked about all the wins and stuff like that. Do you remember the first time it was broached that Herb's like, "I'm not going to coach forever, and I'd like you to." take the program was it that direct or was it more kind of inferred you know what can you kind of take us behind the curtain as much as you come feel comfortable revealing as far as what that was like
1: yeah we've been talking about it for a while and coach did tell me you know he, he wanted me to take over he would feel comfortable with that so but it was it was said and then it would go away um and then it would come back and then go away and then uh these last two years it kind of got more serious, but then COVID hit and then all bets were off. So we, you know, we didn't even have a season. And then right before this past season, Coach said, yeah, this is going to be my last year and I want you to take over. And then obviously, you know, Coach Charlie's blessing, which was huge to have Coach Charlie's blessing. And then from there, um, everybody from the university got on board and that, that's how it really, really happens. But it, we coach and I have talked about it for a while. So the, this past
0: year, everybody knew Coach McGee was going to retire. Did the dynamic change? I mean, you did a ton for 14 years. Did the last year, Did was there anything that, you know, you took – or was it just kind of you guys had the same dynamic, same same you lanes? Know,
1: I just Coach and I just got in such a good rhythm with one another that we – at times, it was pretty much the same voice. I knew what he wanted, so I was always – his voice became my voice to the players. So I don't think anything changed. Um, Coach did his thing, and I always – what I was responsible for, I did my thing. Um, And we ended up having a pretty good year. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we had some injuries down the stretch, so uh, we didn't go out the way I wanted to for Coach. But we had a good year. I think it was a better year than Coach anticipated with all the new guys we had. Um, So he was happy about that. But as far as things changing, though, it was pretty much the same thing. and Coach and I, again, we just had such a good report with one another that we pretty much knew exactly what needed to be accomplished and whose voice needed to accomplish it. We talked off the top
0: about, you know, you've been in the position officially about a month, and if anything's changing, it really hasn't. But has there been, a, like, even a small moment where you're like, oh, I got to do that now, or anything like that?
1: No, because <laughs> uh, uh, that stuff I was always doing anyway. Um I actually just got off the uh, phone with Coach this morning, and he was saying, someone asked him, how's it feel to retire? And he said, to be honest with you, nothing changes in the summertime. Uh, What will hit me uh, come September when we start the preseason workouts, and especially when October 15th hits, and then when practice starts, uh, Coach said that's when it's really going to hit him. So um, we're pretty much business as usual right now, and then once the kids get back on campus and the preseason workouts start, that's when things will really start to hit hit the both of us.
0: Is there a balancing act at all? Obviously the program has been so incredibly successful forever. Uh and but, you know, I'm sure there are things you're gonna want to do, put kind of your stamp on it. Is there a balancing act there that you know you don't want to obviously reinvent the wheel, but yep. you know, you're the you're the
1: guy now. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I gotta be me. Uh I can't be anybody else. So Obviously, I had I have my own ideas that I've been thinking about a long time if I was ever lucky enough to become a head coach. And, yeah, I have to do things the way I want to do things. Um, Like you said, it's it's basketball. I think people overcomplicate the game. I just want to keep it simple. I want the guys to know that we care about them. Uh, I want them to work hard and uh, do the right things on and off the court and recruit the right players, recruit uh, as as basketball players and as people. And I think we will have, we will continue being successful. I don't want to overcomplicate things, um, but I have to be me. Obviously I'm not going to be coach McGee um, who's, you know, one of the top coaches of all time. I can't feel like I need to replace coach McGee. I just got to do the best thing that I can do. And I think that will be enough to make sure that we continue to be successful. But to that point,
0: the transition with the kids will be incredibly smooth, I would imagine, because they're yes. all the returners are all familiar with you, and the new kids were recruited by you. So yep. it's you know you're not yeah, you don't have to change anything. It's not like
1: yeah I'm not walking into a new situation where people don't know me. These guys know me as good as anybody. We're, we're in constant contact with each other every single day, uh, whether it's via text, uh, via phone call. Um, our coaching staff staying the same. Uh, Coach Monroe and Co- uh, Coach McGee, Coach Ryan McGee will be back. And then I hired Josh Brad and Kylan Garrett, who you know, uh, just graduated a few years back. So we have three former Jefferson players in, in, in Kyle and Kylan, Josh and Coach Monroe and Ryan, who's also now been here for six years. So um, it's, it's going to be a very easy transition in all, in all aspects of the program. So um, it should be very, very easy for the players. What are you looking forward to most? Uh, Man, good question. Um, Just competing. I I, I can't wait till we get on that floor and and start working out one another, being around the kids every day, being around the coaching staff every day, competing, uh, fighting for everything um, that we're trying to work for. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to the most, and and I can't wait to get started. Our first uh, preseason workout can start on September 7th. And then, like I said earlier, first practice starts October 15th. And then, before you know it, we'll be having our first scrimmage against Millersville. And then, before you know that, we're headed up to New Hampshire for a tip off tournament versus Franklin Pearson, American International. Um, And I can't wait to compete against against those teams. Think you'll be nervous? Of course. Of course. (laughs) Uh, I think I jokingly say this to my dad and, and to the other assistant coaches the thing that worries me the most is how I'm going to be with the referees. Um, So I just got to keep myself calm and and, uh, make sure I don't act like an idiot on the sidelines.
0: And we talked about, you know, the kids know you, they know your voice and all, but does the dynamic shift a little bit that now you are the head coach? And and is there there work to do there?
1: Yeah, and I think it already has changed uh, even going back to last year because some of the things the kids would go to me for all the time they started going to the other assistant coaches um and you know and that's the you know they're afraid to go to the head coach so you you do start to see the fear factor a little bit already towards me so uh the dynamic has definitely changed over the last uh year or so
0: jimmy riley this was a lot of fun thanks so much for taking the time
1: thanks matt i really appreciate it thanks for having me
0: and that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Jimmy Riley, the new head men's basketball coach at Division II Thomas Jefferson University, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One On One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.